behind that name? Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. I want a good story, but I got nothing. I don't. I didn't have cool parents that named me like oh because of something cool or whatever. I, I want a story. Someday I think I'm just gonna have to create something behind that name. But um, I always thought that it was kind of a form of child abuse. But um, hey, hey. You roll, you roll with whatever, man. Now, I'm glad to be able to share. We're going to kick right into it, um, looking at kind of where we left off. We're in the middle of this, well, really at the end of this series on scent and living with a mission of God. And so Rick, a while back, talked about God shattering the limits that we have. And um, how many have ever experienced that before? You have these little ideas. God is like a little, oh, he's in a little box. These are the people that fit in that box. These people don't. This is what it means to serve God. And all of a sudden, God comes along and goes, man, you're smoking crack. You're crazy, dude. That's not even in my, my area there. And he just expands who he is. Maybe God didn't say, yeah, you're smoking crack. But you know what I mean, all right? So he's there, and he expands that. And it's, that's what Rick was talking about, going, this is a God that is bigger than the limits that you really place on him. And I think that's an amazing thing. Um, Chris shared about God wrecking our plans, and he was talking about Paul. And, and we talked a little bit about Paul, and I don't know if you know Paul, but if you're not familiar with Paul, there was this dude, and he was kind of almost like the ISIS leader. Today we know who ISIS is. They kind of freak us out. This dude was kind of like the ISIS leader, and all of a sudden God got a hold of this guy, and he is the one that wrote the majority of our New Testament. Tell me that God isn't a little crazy there. Anybody? I mean, some of you are like, oh, I just love God. I'm like, I think he's a little crazy and scary to me sometimes. Um, I would have never picked this guy to tell us how to live for God. Yet this is the dude, man, this guy named Paul that came from this, that experienced God in a real way. And Chris was just sharing wherever Paul was. Boom. He was just sharing about God. This is this is it, man. It's an unknown God. Let me tell you about this God. Last week, um, Rick was talking about planning churches and stuff like that. And I love this. This is what he said about planning churches was that why do you do it? If you've been in church at all, church is psycho sometimes. Anybody ever ever notice that we are some freaky people. And if you don't know that, then welcome to your first day ever to be in a church. And this is it. Because if you've been in a church at all, there's some crazy people. And yet, for some reason, this is how God chose to kind of work through the structure and to reach people and everything. I don't comprehend it at all. I I don't understand it and he never asked me. So um, this is just how we do it. Rick said this, every community needs hope. Why do we need churches in different places? Every community needs hope. And I love that. I thought that was that was tremendous. Today we're kicking right into it and just going losing control is what I've called it. And how many have ever lost control before? Now, not the losing control like, oh, my goodness, why the, the light is green. Why aren't they going? It's been green for like uh, anybody like that at all. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I'm like that, too. Not that kind of losing it, but allowing the grip that we have on everything in our life, the the grip of control, just releasing that, losing control. Uh, And I'm I'm coming from a control freak aspect. I I want you to comprehend this. Now, I I justify it because I am a control freak with boundaries. So I'm not going to try to control your life. I mean, if you ask me, I can help you. But no, um, 
I'm not going to try to control your life, but I want everything in my life structured, organized, and kind of laid out the way that I think it should be going. Anybody else like that? Today, just in case, all right, see, I have, I have my, my iPad here, but just in case something went wrong, well, I have my manuscript here just as a backup. Well, just in case I lost my manuscript, I have my computer in my car, and just in case that didn't start up, I have an external hard drive with my message on it so that I can get it, because you never know, am I going to need that, man? I yeah. I want to be a little bit prepared in all this. And so I'm kind of a control freak in this area. So when I begin to look at Acts 16, this is what they gave me, and I, was, I begin to look through that. Um, and I'm going to sum up a lot of it real quick and then share a part that I think we should highlight in black Sharpie just to cross out. Anybody ever like to just highlight the Bible in black Sharpie just to cross out? Anybody? No, well, you should join me in one of my Bible studies because that's how I want to highlight sometimes. There's, there's scriptures in there that absolutely drive me crazy. And I'm thinking, instead of highlighting in the yellow, which is easy, I'd like to highlight in black and just go, my life would be a lot simpler if we could just do that. If you haven't thought of that, that's fruit for you today. Go ahead and pray. You're dismissed. All right. Losing control. This is, this is what I want to look at today. Um, whenever they've been sharing about this first missionary trip, um, we're looking at this, this kicking off of the next missionary trip. Paul and Barnabas um, just get back in Acts 15:36. This is what Paul says. He goes, hey, dude, all the churches that we just came from, let's go back and talk to them again. Let's encourage them. So this is what was happening. And we're starting back in 15 because the Bible doesn't have chapters and verses. When it was written, it was a letter. We write in chapters and verses to make it easier for us to read. So if you've ever got to the end of a chapter and you're going, well, why does that continue? It didn't seem like it ended there. Well, it didn't end there. That's just, we have that in there so that we can continue to read it and understand it and, and stuff like that. Um, so 16 actually is the story continued from 15. They came back from this trip. Paul says, well, relax. It's cool. Let's go do this thing. Then he begins to gather up his crew that he wants in the boat with him. So this is what we're looking at. Acts 15, 40 through 41. Paul and Silas, this dude named Silas, they leave. The Bible says they just, they departed. Acts 16, 1 through 3 says that Paul knew this dude named Timothy. And he goes, I want this guy named Timothy along with me. So he stopped by and he picked up Timothy to go along on this trip with him. The next one is um, Acts 16.10 was that this is where this guy named Luke is writing the Bible or it's writing the Bible. He's writing this story about all this. And um, in this, he goes from being an observer to saying, now I'm part of the trip. In verse 10, this is what he says. Um, and when Paul had seen this vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia. He becomes part of the journey with him right there. So that's kind of the summary of it all. Um, and now we're going to the part that if you got your black Sharpie, this is where I want you to scratch it out. Okay. Um, Acts 16. And 6 through 11, don't get confused. I'm going to butcher some of these names maybe, but we get lost in the names anyway. And as I begin to read it, you just go into like a coma somewhere. And so um, let, let's read this. In um, Acts 16, verse 6, it says this. 
And, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's the important thing. The Holy Spirit forbid them. And when they came into Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Again, boom. No, don't go. Verse 8, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, including uh, and concluding that God had called us to that. Okay, wake up for a minute. Come back to me. All right. So what is happening here? We get lost in all these names that we don't know. I want just to I'm a, I'm a simple guy. I need pictures. I want you to understand. Check this out. So this is where we are. We are in the middle of Michigan, and this is what happened. Paul wanted to go somewhere. Go to the next slide. Paul wanted to go across there. He's going, yeah, this is where I want to go. We've been there. We're going to encourage the places. This is what happened next. Boom. God said, no. You like my artwork? Isn't that pretty amazing? Um, man, I'm a high-tech guy. Um, so Paul... Paul was told by God, no, you can't go there. We're going up into Canada because there's a man that is going, Paul, can you come help me? A that's Canadian (laughs) man, man. All right. Anyway, so that story right there, that's what it was. This is this is what was going on. The thing that drives me crazy is that Paul was this man that had a drive and He knew where he was going. He knew what he wanted to do. And all of a sudden, God said, no. Paul says, oh, cool. Okay. And so he gets to do something else. God says, no. He redirects him. And Paul immediately responds to that and begins to set journey. That dude drives me crazy. Immediately, he he responds to God and he begins to go. Now, this is the, the kind of the tagline that we've been using Living the mission of God means pursuing God's plans, not ours. I love that as a, as a theme for you guys. I love that in the theology behind it, to go, man, that's God. I love God. Whatever God says, I want to go. I hate that when God says, Buzz, you're stopping, and this is where I want you to go. How many are with me on that? I was in, the, in ministry, full-time ministry, 21 years. Um, last year, all of a sudden, things began to, to kind of just break apart. Uh, life began to change. I, I had my oldest son got married in March. My youngest son graduated from high school in June, getting ready to um, go into college. We're going to be empty nesters. Um, all of a sudden, my job of 16 years came to an end. I find myself um, moving out of a house that we had been in because we couldn't afford it any longer. and We weren't going to be there. We're moving into a little apartment. And I'm sitting in the dirt one day on a construction site going, um, I'm eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich going, what happened? <laughs> how, did, how did I get here, man? I, I don't even understand what just happened. And uh, luckily I, I had the best guys around me that helped me through there because I promised that I, I don't even, I didn't even know how to like hammer a nail basically. I felt like, and I had guys that God had placed around me to help me in that situation. But as we look at this, I want you to understand my response. I want to be that holy dude. I want to be this dude that goes, 
Oh, God, I know you got this all under control. I know that was my life, but I just, I'm, I'm so thankful for, for being able to do construction now and that you have your hand on my life. That's crazy. To me, that's crazy. I was going, I, I'll show you what I was doing. All right, I want you to watch this video of this dude. I was this used car salesman on for the ride of my life. thinking a lot more age on me, some wrinkles, a little dorky, maybe some facial hair. Somebody that I can pull off a fun prank with. (laughs) Let's go have some fun. My good friends at Pepsi Max have hooked us up with this cool can cam. So these are the glasses cam to show you everything that I see. How you doing? Hello. I'm Mike. It's Dave. Nice to meet you, Mike. I saw you sort of gravitated towards the Camaro. Are you thinking about getting one? Oh, no, no, no. This this way too much car for me. I'm Well, it's a lot of power, but they've designed it to be very safe. I don't know if I can handle it. I, I've never driven anything like this before. <laughs> well, I'll I tell you what. I think a way to really make you feel comfortable would be to put you behind the wheel. You're good. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a car. Mm-hmm. Well, we better buckle up. Yeah, good call. Power. Power door locks. Standard, of course. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Nice and easy. This is head on out whenever you're ready. Are you ready to go ahead and, yeah. and drive? Okay. Yeah, sure. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, a little more than I'm used to. Yeah. Oh, it's got some power, so just get a feel for it. <laughs> okay. isn't it? I, I'm like, oh, but I, I want to be, I want to be that spiritual dude that is like, I just trust God all the way. And God is my driver. And it's just, I am that used car salesman all the way going. Oh, at first I love it because he tries to like man up and be like, oh, you're liable for this car, you know, yada. And then finally he's going, oh God, oh, like, 
Dude, dude, I totally understand that, man. As plans begin to change, I'm not that spiritual guy. Now, I know the scriptures, and I know you'll come up to me and you'll go, Oh, well, brother, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. As an observer, that is wonderful. I love scripture as an observer. I love to give you scripture as you're going through the crazy ride. As the dude that is strapped in the maniac car, I don't want your scripture. I just want out of the car. I just want the car to stop. And yet there's something going on in this scripture as we read um, in Acts 16 that in the craziness, Paul must have thought, dude, God's got this. And I'm not there yet. I don't understand. I'm still screaming. And Paul's going, God's got this. And I want you to, to really understand this. This is, this is what I want you to comprehend about Paul. Paul was this dude that was not like, I'll just go along with anything that happens. Um, he was a dude that kind of had some control issues, I believe. Um, when you look at earlier in Galatians, him and this dude named Barnabas started the trip together. Um, Paul says, hey, let's, let's go into this other one. Um, I'll do the trip again. And that's the Acts 15, 37. Let's do this trip again. Barnabas says, yeah, let's do it. And Barnabas says, I'm going to take this dude along with us. And Paul goes, that guy's a moron. He was with us in the first trip, and he, he, forsake, he was forsaking us in that trip. He left. So he's not going on the trip with us again. And Barnabas, being the encourager, was like, no, let's, let's bring him along. Paul's like, no, it's my way or the highway. And that's exactly how it was. Paul split from him. And now we're reading about Paul and Silas being together. No longer Paul and Barnabas. We look at it and we remove the emotion out of Scripture. We just read it like, oh, this is, that, was a, that was a fight that went on. That was some arguing going on. That was a big deal. Two major leaders just split, and it, it was a big deal. I, I also know that Paul is this kind of leader dude because in, in Galatians, he comes up to the leader of this church. There was a guy named Peter that was kind of the leader. Paul was nothing really yet, and he comes up to Peter and gets in his face and says, Dude, you are wrong. You are messed up. What kind of guy does that? Oh, most of the time we just kind of kick back. Paul was a guy that was in your face. He was this type of guy. And so knowing his personality, this is what I want you to comprehend. All of a sudden, God changed his plans, and immediately Paul responds by going. I don't comprehend that. Where's the fight? Where's the arguing? Where's the whining? Where's the... Uh, where is all this? It says, Paul immediately responded by going where God had called him to. That's beyond me. And so I, that's just what I want to look at today. This is what I want to check out. And uh, Paul has something that, that I really don't comprehend, but it is really this, that he really believed that even as all hell broke loose and he didn't understand what was going on, that there was somebody in control and it wasn't him. That God really was in control. Check it out. He changed his plans. And how many, like, if you change your plans, do you think then God's going to bless you? I mean, like, bless, like American bless you. Like, oh, it's going to be unicorn and fuzzy bunnies all the way around. You know what I mean? It's, it's a nice road. He changed his plan for God. He went to this area. He was greeted. Uh, 
he had, he had one person he led to the Lord. The next thing he did was get the crud beat out of him by some business owners. They drug him before the, the city leaders and they stripped him down and beat him some more. Hey, congratulations for following God. Then they took him and they threw him into prison and put him into shackles. How many are angry at this moment right there then? Anybody at all? I'm ticked. I'm in the I'm going, dude, what, what I'm doing your will. And you're like, this is what I get. I mean, no wonder you don't have anybody signing up for your group, man. I mean, come on, dude. This is this is crazy. But this is what was going on. This is this is exactly what Paul was was facing. And this is why I say there was something deeper within Paul that he knew about God than just some scripture, because I want you to check out his response. Check this out. Acts 16, 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas, after all this had happened, were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I want you to know that it is the pain of life that squeezes out the real junk that's inside of us. In the middle of the pain, Paul, the stuff that was inside Paul that is squeezed out is this praise for God. That doesn't even make sense. Where's the anger? Where's the, where are you, God? He begins to pray and like singing praises. I I don't get it. But there's something that I want us to really comprehend. And this is, this is really it. He comprehended who was driving his car. Check out the end of this video. It's not what you think. Call, it's not what you call. think. No, it's just a prank. We're just having fun. Look, this is a camera. Here's a camera. There's cameras. Look, it was all just fun. Look, I'm Jeff Gordon. Sorry, man. Sorry. Do it again? Yeah, let's do it again. Oh, my goodness. So... The ride that just made him angry, the ride that was scaring him to death, the ride, I mean, this was a crazy ride. All of a sudden, when it is discovered of who this driver is, you just watch his expression change. Everything that made him angry, everything that was fearful, he just stepped back and was like, do you know what just happened to me? This was amazing. Let's, let's do this again. I mean, this, there is something about understanding that even when life feels totally out of control, that there is a God that is behind it that has our best interest in mind. I know that's in Scripture, but until you experience some of the psycho craziness that causes you to have to cry out and trust to God, it's a lot of theory in your head. I have the scripture down. I know the scripture. When the trip began, all I could think of was the emotion. All I could think of was, where the heck are you, dude? What is going on? And yet when I look back in scripture, God was going, Paul, I'm here with you. In the middle of prison, in the middle of all this stuff, that isn't going the way you planned, here I am. And I'm like, make me like Paul. Now, I don't want to go through the stuff. Don't somebody come up, hey, let me beat you. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, I, I want to be like Paul. I want to know, how do you do that? How do I trust a God this way? 
that is beyond just theory and is beyond concepts in my head. How do I actually trust? And I think it comes to this. I think Paul knew how to surrender. He knew how to surrender. And surrender is this. This is what it means. To agree to stop fighting, hiding, resisting, to yield power or control to another. How many hate that? Anybody? I hate that idea. I love God and I, 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 I want him to surrender to my will. I do, man. I mean, just honestly. I want, him to, I want him to make my life good and comfy and work out the plans that I have established for myself. And uh, I will give him glory all along the way. I, that's, that's my plan. And yet there's something about Paul that said, I'm surrendering my life. And I want you to check that out. The first thing was he learned how to surrender his life. And in Philippians 3, 8, this is what happens. It says, Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Uh, Another translation that I like to read, New Living Translation, says this. Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. There was something within this man that said there is nothing more valuable in my life than God ruling my life. This wasn't about church. This was about a surrendering my life of who's going to control my life. I love to control my life. Last night we were shopping. We were at the mall. How many love the mall? A lot of women were like, a lot of men just became really depressed. I just saw that. We were at the mall. We were shopping and I'm, I'm in the little area of the changing area there waiting for my wife. And there was another guy suffering beside me here in a chair. And, um, somehow we got to, to talking and, um, he was like, how long you guys been married? And I'm like, 27 years. And he was just like, wow, that's a long time. I'm like, yeah. And I'm not like a, I'm not a good, uh, like in your face. Like, well, Jesus is Lord. And I, that's just, I, people like that annoy me. If you're like that, I love you. I'm sorry. But um, I'm not, I'm not that way. I just don't, I don't like that. And, um, but I did just feel like I had to tell him something because we didn't make it 27 years because we are masters of marriage. And I told him, I said, the only reason that we have made it 27 years is because of God, because I would kill her if it wasn't for God. <laughs> and she would kill me if it wasn't for God. And um, he was like, he was like, oh, well, that's great, sir. He put me in the sir category right there. I just went from my thought like being a peer to going, you are an old man. I quit talking to him right there. I'm like, yeah, forget it. There's just a reality of I know I want to control my life. I want to control my kids. I want to control my marriage. I want to control my occupation. I want to control. And yet I know me. And I know that even after 27 years of marriage, if I throw this away and begin to take control according to the sinful urges that I still have, According to the the desires that I have, I will mess this up in a matter of hours, days, weeks. What I have is not because I'm a great guy or a pastor or I know a clue about what I'm doing. I keep surrendering my life to God, even though I don't want to. 
I want to be in control. And yet I've watched when I step out into control, I begin to mess things up. Paul learned that his life had to be surrendered to God. You're the maker. I surrender myself to you. Second thing is this. He surrendered what drove him. And I like this one. Philippians 3, 4 through 8. And reading in the version that's in the pew, um, you're welcome to do that. I'm going to skip and just read to one from the Message Bible because I like just the way that it sums it up. Um, This is what he says. And I, I want you to comprehend, today we still worry about, like, impressing people. Some of you dressed to impress today. Some of you combed your hair to impress. Some of you didn't comb your hair. We need to talk about that afterwards, okay? Um, We do things to impress, whether it is how how we dress, whether it is getting that degree, whether it is getting that house or that nice car. We do things. It's part of our culture. It's not something new. It's part of humanity. And Paul was dealing with this. And Paul came from a very, very impressive background. Very impressive. And this is what he's saying when he's dealing with that. This is what he says. Message Bible. He says, the very credentials that these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up. I'm throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all things I once thought was so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant and dog dung. It's poop. <laughs> I just said poop in church. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, th- I want you to comprehend this. He's going, everything that I thought was, Im- everything that was driving me, everything that I said was important, he backs off and he goes, it's not important. It is about following Christ as my master. I'm still trying to learn what that looks like. I, I thought it was to be a pastor. And maybe it still will be. I don't have a clue. But to release that control and to go, God, you are bigger than my ideas of you. Direct my path however you want. Paul was releasing all this stuff and going, the titles, the degrees, the house, the cars, it doesn't matter. It's all about knowing Christ. It's all about knowing Christ. And not just knowing him, he says, this dude's my master. That dude's my, his leader, who he surrendered to. So God, I take all these desires that are pushing me. We all have these desires that push us to be something. And he says, I surrender it to you. I want us to remember this. We are not here to prove and declare how great we are. We are here to discover how great God is and declare that. And sometimes we get confused about that. And we go, I want, I want to look good. I want to be. And God is going, just trust me. I have better plans for you than what you can even imagine. Just trust me. Surrender that to me. And it's scary. But we've got to let go of that control and go, God, whatever you're doing, man, I'm trusting you. I surrender that. The last thing is this. He surrendered what was hidden in his life. The weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9 says this, uh, and, and Paul is going, Paul knew that what the, the thing that he was doing, like sharing all this and how God had been revealed to him, he was rocking. He knew that. And 
this is what God did for him. It says, so to keep me from being conceited um, because of surpassing greatness of the revelations that he was dealing with, a thorn um, was given to me in my flesh. How many have a thorn in your flesh right now and they're sitting beside you? No, no, don't raise your hand. What are you doing? Pastor does marriage counseling, I believe, um, if you need that after that. No. Um, this is what he says. He goes, it, it was a thorn in my flesh and a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. This is, check this out. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this and that it should leave me. But he said this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more glory of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. There's just part of us that wants to, to really hide our weaknesses. There's part of us. I, I want to look good before you this morning. I, I'm praying that I didn't trip up the stairs and that I don't walk off this. I, I want to look good before you. I'd love to be impressive, and that's just not going to happen. I was saying in the first service, I'd love to be able to read like like the the, the long scriptures that that Rick or Chris reads, and yet my reading, I'll get so nervous that I'm like, uh, and you'll be going, can you even read, dude? I mean, come on, man. I've learned that I've got to be who God created me to be. There's a lot of weakness here. There's a lot of struggles there, and the reality is, Paul embraced his weakness. Because what we forget is that this is not our story. This is God's story. This is not about how good you look and how great you are doing. This is in my brokenness, in my messed upness, in my I don't have it together, I don't know what I'm doing. All that, I surrendered it to God and God goes, now, now you can discover just how strong I am. Now you can discover my strength. But there's something about church that makes us want to hide that sometimes. Anybody ever realize that? The longer you've been in church, the more you go, oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You're not doing good all the time. Sometimes we are messed up. There's something about just our culture, even outside of church. We want to look good. Paul is going, you've got to be broken because it's in your brokenness, in your being real, that you discover how strong God is. See, the reality of this is, is that you will never know how much somebody loves you until they know all about you. Most of the time we go on dates and we try to look impressive and we try to, yeah, oh, we just want to be that guy or that girl. We want to be impressive. And the reality is real love is knowing everything about me and still putting up with me. My wife knows I'm crazy. I don't hide it. She knows that I am crazy. And I know she knows that. And I share my weaknesses with her. And I know she loves me. We do something weird with God. We think that he doesn't know our craziness, that he doesn't know our, our brokenness, that he doesn't know our, our thoughts. And yet all he's wanting to do is go, bring that stuff to me. Don't look good. Just bring that brokenness to me and find out what a strengthener I am. What a healer I am. 
So it's not in your looking good or learning great behavior. It is in your brokenness that you will discover the real strength of God. It's this whole surrendering thing. I don't understand it. It freaks me out. And honestly, just real, I mean, just, just being real, I don't even like it. I don't, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. I want to be in control. I still want, I, I will still throw a fit because I'm not in control. And yet, if I want to calm my anxiety down, I've got to know that there's someone in control that is not me. And they have a bigger plan. They have a bigger love than that for me. Today, my challenge to you is what area do you need to surrender? Where is that? Uh, I'm sure the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you or, or maybe as you go throughout the week. But there's areas that we need to surrender if we want to experience God. See, trust in God isn't something that is just that, that idea. It only comes through experience. Understanding what we're talking about sounds crazy today until you yield to God to go, what, is, what does that look like? And to walk with him through some of the stuff. So today my challenge is, you, is to you, surrender. That simple.